we're coming home to ourselves today. Part of coming home to yourself is knowing how to choose the help you need. So we've got therapist Mina B joining us today to drop some knowledge. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back, boo-boos. And welcome if you're new here. If you just decided to pull up, welcome. Yes. Get cozy. Get cozy. How are you doing today? Feeling good? Feeling great? I am... uh, well, I am feeling good, actually. I'm feeling light as a bird. Free. Speaking of birds, this is a month where spring comes. You know, <laughs> the birds represent. <laughs> what do they represent? The season. They come on. Oh, I was like, what? Don't they? Like, they migrate. For the winter. And then they come back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the birds are fluttering. The flowers are blooming mm-hmm. soon. But this is a month for that. And you know I love a month that signifies that. As summer is near. Yes. <laughs> All of it is just a countdown to summer. It is. So, so yeah. how are but how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I am so excited. This is a month that we're going on our retreat. It is. This is the month, baby. We are going to be gone for two weeks. So I'm excited. Happy to have a break from work. Well, one type of work. I'm going to be working, but a yeah. different type of work. Mm-hmm. A fun, engaging work. I'm so ready to put my out of office on. It's going to be exciting. I'm I'm really excited. Um, the time has flown. We were just promoing this thing, and now I we're know. That hitting the road. Time really flies. Like, yeah. so yeah, I'm excited for March. I feel like March is going to be a good, great month for us. I feel like it's going to fly for sure. Just it's like the birds fly. we were referencing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else going on? Going on? You feeling good emotionally, mentally, spiritually? Okay, check in. Yeah, <laughs> the check in. I am. I, I feel, um, like I said, much lighter. I feel lighter. I've been practicing just being emotionally available to myself. I like that. Yeah, being emotionally available to, available to myself. And it feels good. I'm new here. Girl, I'm right there with you. We both moved in. <laughs> roommates in this in this APT. We roommates in, in here. In this bitch. But it was an intention that I said at the beginning of the year. I had went back to like look at my goals or intentions that I set because my planner triggered me to do so mm-hmm. like it had a little check-in yeah I said what did I write and one of them said look for opportunities to be more vulnerable mm-hmm. like well they've been presenting themselves yeah. so it's yeah. nice here we're Ooh, doing it's things nice. it's nice here <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but we're excited I'm also excited because this month this weekend actually we're going to have one of our first community events of the year oh she said yeah. community community events so Jeremy and I, we've just been looking for ways to build more community and connect with y'all in real life. So we are going to be having an event this weekend. If you're in the Los Angeles area, 
We're having a sip and swap. Yeah, very low pressure, but a good time event. We are going to be bringing our favorite books, a book you've already read. Maybe it's been collecting dust, but you don't want to get rid of it. Bring it to the sip and swap and we're going to trade books with one another. We're going to drink some nice drinks, beverages. Beverages. What are we having? I don't think we could drink alcohol out in the streets. Yes, we can. We can? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have the tea. Yeah, we'll have something. We'll have some libation, something for you to drink. All you have to do is just bring a great attitude, bring a book or two. Yeah. It's just going to be like Jeremy said, low pressure. We've had our book club going on and the girlies have expressed how they are so happy to just get back into reading collectively, which Mm -hmm. has been healing for me. I've been enjoying it. I've jumped back into my nonfiction bag as of late. Yeah. But I have tons of self-help books that I want to share and I want to pick up some new books. I love those neighborhood yeah, libraries. Yeah, I have one in my community. I've dropped off a ton of books. I wish I would have kept them for the book swap. Yeah. I'm going to go get them. <laughs> I'm going to go back and get them and bring them there and bring them on yeah, to our Yeah, a little event. community library. So ours is going to be lit. I there's, already know. Also, there's one near my old place in San Pedro if you ever want to. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. They weren't having books that I liked. No. That's why we're curating our own because we know we're going to have books that we like. Yes. So the link to sign up will be in the description. Follow us on social media just to stay up to date. We really want to just be in the spirit of building with y'all. And this is one way that we can do it. Um, So we're really excited. Yeah. Saturday, March 4th at LA High Memorial Park at 1 p.m. Yeah. She said it. So we'll see you there. Yes. Super exciting. Okay. It's the top of the month. It is. Y'all know what we do at the top of the month. What do we do? We start a new series we around do. here. We do. Around we do. here, we like, you know, we like starting fresh. I love a new month. With new themes. I love a new month. Same. So this this month, y'all, we are talking about coming home to ourselves. Mm. I know. It sounds so deep. But it is. It is deep, right? It's deep. It is. Do you feel like you're at home with yourself or do you feel like you've been on, at an Airbnb? Sometimes it feels like I'm having a staycation. (laughs) Not going to lie. Not going to lie. But I feel like that time is over. You know, I feel like I'm done You feel like you're about to return. Yeah, I feel like I'm a homeowner. homeowner. You're a homeowner? Yeah, I've gotten my keys. Closing, closing, escrow, close, escrow. Exactly. Okay. The underwriting is done. (laughs) We're getting ready to close. And I got my keys. And and I I feel like I'm happy to be here. What about you? I feel like I got my eviction notice for my extended stay. And I've been coming back home to myself. I guess what a better question would be was like, what does coming home to ourselves look like? I was thinking about that. Like, what is that? Like, what does that feel like for me? What What is this destination yeah. that I'm trying to reach? And I think for me, it's just like showing up as who I am authentically and self-exploration, going deeper with myself and also Allowing others to see me for who I truly am. Yeah. Uninhibited. Yeah. I think you really summed up what it would mean to be at home with yourself. Not being ashamed, being okay with being vulnerable and being seen, not just by other people, but really by with with ourselves. Yes. That's where it has to start. And just going through the process of getting to that place. Because some of us are um, renting. Some of us, it is giving extendo stay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think you said it all. Yeah. That's a great question. I so mean, yeah, through this series, we are going to encourage you all to journey home as well. 
because it can be a little intimidating. Mm. But if we're all doing the work together, it feels a little bit more comforting. If it's a homegirl, if it's just listening to the show, if it's a family member, whatever you need, take it. We're here for you. But we're really on this journey. I'm just ready to just break out. Please break out. I, I am, too. I am, too. Um, so get in, girls. We going home. <laughs> we're actually going home and and to help us kick off this series and in our quest back home we're talking with an amazing therapist today Mina B she is so insightful she's so knowledgeable and um it's going to be a great conversation we can't wait for you to hear it we definitely can I think that therapy is a great start mm-hmm. when it comes to venturing home sometimes we need direction yeah map. and I think map that quest ways. I think therapy gives big ways vibes yeah. so Get in, buckle up, and let's go for a ride. We have more Black Girl Bravado coming up right after this. Have you ever dreamed of effortlessly conversing in another language? Whether it's for that upcoming international trip, connecting with family and friends, diving deep into a new culture, or simply adding a new skill to your repertoire, learning a new language opens up a world of opportunities. But let's face it, traditional methods like textbooks and classroom learning can be a drag. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years, Rosetta Stone offers a revolutionary approach that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn without relying on CDs or DVDs. Picture this, you're effortlessly conversing in Spanish on the streets of Barcelona, ordering tapas like a local, or discussing the latest French designers with Parisians. So sexy, right? With Rosetta Stone's intuitive process, you'll learn naturally starting with words, then phrases, then full sentences. And with over 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish, the possibilities are endless. Rosetta Stone's speech recognition technology, including the True Accent feature, acts like a personal trainer for your accent, providing instant feedback on your pronunciation. Plus, with both desktop and app options available, along with offline lesson downloads and an audio companion, learning for the babe on the go has never been easier. And here's the best part. For a limited time, Rosetta Stone is offering a lifetime membership for 50% off, y'all. That's right, lifetime access to all 25 language courses for half the price. Don't miss out on this amazing deal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, BGB listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Hey, bookies, we got something special for you. Are you ready to dive into a celebration of blackness that's as diverse as the experience it represents? Well, NPR's got you covered with Black Stories, Black Truths. This is a groundbreaking collection that's more than just a podcast. It's Revelation. What does black representation in media mean to you? Because to me... It's about breaking down stereotypes, challenging biases, and also showcasing the rich tapestry of black experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And Black Stories, Black Truths is the epitome of this celebration. 
Each episode is a living account of what it truly means to be black today. And it's told from a unique black perspective. And I feel like these aren't just stories, like they're narratives of joy, resilience, empowerment, and also the incredible ability to create world shifting things out of the struggle. Seriously, you'll hear about everything from pop culture icons like Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to discussions on vital topics like reparations, y'all. There's really no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Have you tuned in yet? One of my favorite episodes is the one on how real self-care takes real systemic change. That's a must listen. Yeah, I really think the hosts bring a tone that's celebratory. It's also informative and reflective, which I really can appreciate. Every episode is a journey. It offers a range of emotions and perspectives that keeps you hooked from start to finish. As soon as I turn it on, I'm like, "Mm." and let's not forget black perspectives haven't always been at the forefront of America's story. But now they are the story. Period. So this is not just a podcast, y'all. It's a collection of some of NPR's best episodes showcasing the brilliance and resilience of the black experience. And we know NPR is known for its commitment to diverse storytelling. But with them presenting black stories, black truths, I would say that this is NPR with the noir twist. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Turn on NPR today and immerse yourself in a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the incredible country we reflect. And remember, stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, available wherever you get your podcast. Y'all should know by now that we love progression over here. Let's chat about what everyday progress truly means to us. Whether it's hitting those small milestones or treating ourselves to a little something something after a month of disciplined budgeting, progress is all about balance and staying motivated. And speaking of budgeting and reaching financial goals while still enjoying life's little pleasures, have you heard about Chime? Chime's checking account offers some amazing features that can help you along your financial journey. Let me tell you about one feature that really stands out to me. Chime's Spot Me. We've all been there, right? Dealing with overdraft fees can really throw a wrench in your financial plans. But with Chime, you can overdraft up to $200 with no fees. You heard me right. No fees. It's like having a safety net for those unexpected moments. Y'all, I had a friend who was always getting hit with hefty overdraft fees. It was a mess trying to sort it out. How do you really get ahead with that? But with Chime, you can avoid those headaches and get back on track with ease. Plus, Chime isn't just a bank. It's a community. With Boost, you can increase your spot me limit by receiving boosts from your friends. It's like having your financial back covered by your squad. So, if you're ready to take control of your finances and wave goodbye to those pesky monthly fees, open your Chime account today. Just head over to Chime.com bravado. That's Chime.com slash bravado. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bank Court Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Boosts are available to eligible Chime members enrolled in Spot Me and are subject to monthly limits. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.
Okay, y'all. So before we get into this great conversation, we have to let y'all know a few things. If you are loving what you're hearing, please share an episode with your homegirl, your sister, your mother, your auntie. Share the episodes. Also, if you're here, follow so that you know of all the, the episodes coming up. Hit that bell so it pops up on your phone and show us a little love with a rating. We yes. love that. And lastly, meet us over at the Homegirl Hangout. It's our exclusive membership community. It's where we give you more of what you already love. Playlists, episodes, you get to get into our Discord and just hang out with like-minded women. So all that information is down in the show notes. Okay, y'all. So now it is time for us to introduce you to our amazing guest. We have Mina B. She is an author, writer, founder, speaker, therapist, licensed master of social work, and mental health educator with a master's degree in social work from New York University. With over 10 years of clinical experience and a passion for mental health and social justice, Mina teaches people how to cultivate self-care and self-advocacy through boundaries and community care. Now let's get into this conversation. So Mina, I'm so happy that we have you because I have been on this never-ending pursuit of therapy. What initially made me feel called to go to therapy is I was going through a breakup and before I got into another relationship, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't repeating any patterns. And a homegirl of mine had recommended a therapist that one of her friends went to. So I was like, let me give her a try. I was a little nervous because like this was like completely new to me. I remember thinking like, is there anything that I need to do beforehand? Do I just show up? Kind of being a little uncertain about how to like enter this journey. So is there anything that you think would be helpful to be clear on before seeking out a therapist? Do you feel like people need to have like a reason before they decide to embark on a therapy journey? I definitely think it could be important to have a reason or a clear idea of what it is you're hoping to gain out of that relationship and what you're hoping to resolve or find solutions around when you do seek a therapist. However, it's also okay to say, you know what, these are some of the symptoms I'm having. These are some of the issues I'm having, and I have no idea where to start. So I'm hoping that a therapist can help me and support me through this process. I think that what can be really important and helpful for people is during that consultation period, I always tell people when you're seeking a therapist, ask them if they offer a free consultation or even a one that you have to pay for. Because that consultation, it's like speed dating, right? So let me go on this little date for a few minutes. I'll fill you out. I'll ask you a few questions. And maybe during that 15-minute consultation, I'm doing a vibe check. So your therapist is going to be asking you questions. And there's, those questions most likely might sound like, why are you coming to therapy? What kind of support would you need from me as your therapist? But you, as the potential client, you might want to ask that therapist, well, what is your treatment modality? What style of treatment do you normally utilize? You might want to ask them, can you tell me a little more about how you approach therapy? You might even want to say to them, I've never done this before. So can you tell me what to expect? What should I expect my first session? How long do you project that I might be in therapy? What are some things that I should be thinking about when I do plan to come to our sessions? And that way you can get a feel of, well, one, how does this person respond to me through a 15-minute consultation? If they're being rough, if they're being aggressive, if you hear them sucking their teeth over the phone, or if the consultation is through Zoom and they're rolling their eyes, 
maybe it's a sign through body language that maybe this isn't the therapist for me. But another thing you might be able to do is recognize, do I feel like this person can align with what I'm seeking and the values that I have and just what I think I need support around? And the last thing I will say is sometimes that first session does end up happening. And it's okay to say after this first session, I realize we just don't click. So I'm going to start my search all over again. I've been around the therapy block a few times. I've tried it out. And what I notice is the first session it's like we're already committed. We already go together. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, girl, I know I'm looking for a therapist, but I like the idea of let's see if it's even a vibe before we enter in a, a LTR, a long-term relationship. You actually mentioned finding out what modalities your therapist specializes in, like what type of techniques do you use? Because that's another reason why a lot of us, me, I can sp- speak to myself and maybe many people don't end up staying in therapy, but we don't even realize that the modalities don't align. Like what I'm looking for or how you educate is not really conducive to what I need right now. This relationship that we're establishing with this therapist, it is a lot like dating and there's a lot of vulnerability. What do you look for when you are seeking out a therapist? I think the most important piece here is, do I feel emotionally safe in this relationship? And sometimes with certain people and their personality, you might notice very upfront, like I shared earlier, right? Like how if you're meeting with that therapist during a consultation, their tone, how they respond to you, right? Does this feel safe? Do I feel like I can open up? Because that's what therapy is all about, being vulnerable. And you need to have a safe space where you can do that. And your therapist should be helping to cultivate that safe space. So if I'm going to a therapist and already I'm realizing they trigger me and they're reminding me of my mother wound or they're reminding me of the sibling abuse that I deal with because they have particular characteristics and traits that remind me of someone who is actually abusive toward me or triggering toward me, that's a sign to let me know, eh, you know what, I need to keep searching because already there are certain characteristics, maybe their tone, how they're speaking to me. Maybe they're cutting me off while I'm trying to talk. Maybe they're also not holding themselves accountable. So maybe I went on my first session and they were 15 minutes late and that made me feel a particular way. And instead of them owning it and apologizing it, they dismissed it. So it all just goes back to emotional safety. Give yourself some space so that you can reflect and ask yourself, this is something I didn't like. This is how I felt. And when you process that, the next time you decide to see a new therapist, you can come to them and say, you know, in my last relationship with my therapist, these are some things that came up for me that were difficult. And so can you describe to me your process? Because I want to know, is it going to be a similar experience? Or maybe I just need to process in this space the hurt that I have from my previous relationship with my therapist to see if you can handle that and if you can provide me with the emotional safety that I need the same way we would with a partner, right? Because if you have patterns or wounds from a previous relationship, you want to make sure that when you're dating someone new, they're aware of what your emotional needs are, and can you meet those needs? Are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to go there with me? And I think it's really important for us to have that same type of conversation with our therapists. I was internally clapping for everything that you said, because (laughs) that is so true, like taking the space in. I really think the main takeaway I got from what you shared is being in the driver's seat of our therapy process, because I know for me personally, When I enter therapy, it's like, 
okay, you're the therapist. Tell me how this is going to go. Just I'll just talk. And I often leave feeling unfulfilled or like I'm not getting what I came there to get because I haven't been in the driver's seat. I haven't vocalized clearly what I'm looking for. I can do much better with that. But the thing is, because I'm so new to this space, I often feel pretty naive and trying to understand how long do I have to do this before I really feel like, okay, this is a fit or not. Are there any key indicators or a time frame where we can be like, you know what, this is absolutely a no? I think it's important to be able to have healthy conflict with your therapist. And what healthy conflict looks like is being able to say to your therapist, listen, we've been meeting with each other for about three, four, five, six sessions by now. And to be honest, I'm not really feeling a difference. I feel like when I come to our sessions, I don't feel heard or you don't give me feedback. You don't ask me particular questions. The homework you give me isn't working for me. And so I would like to really break down our process to see what actually works for me. You need an emotional safe space to be able to do that. But as you mentioned, you are in the driver's seat. So sometimes you do have to let your therapist know and give your therapist feedback to inform them that this isn't really working for me. I think one, how they choose to handle it and respond to you gives you a clear indicator of one, can we move forward? Or can we start making adjustments? Because your therapist might realize, well, maybe I need to give you homework. Maybe I haven't been giving you homework. And maybe I need to give you things to be reflecting on when you're outside of our sessions. Maybe your therapist might realize, well, with the things that you've been sharing, I've been giving you some time to process, but maybe I'll be a little more inquisitive now and start asking you more questions to help you reflect a little deeper. And I definitely think by the third or fourth session, if you're still feeling like nothing is happening for you, that is the time to bring that up because you and your therapist might start to realize maybe there is something you need from the therapeutic process. Your therapist doesn't have the skill set to give. So I think it's important to recognize when you realize that maybe this is not the therapeutic process that we can continue utilizing and either you're going to change your framework or I'm just going to have to find a different therapist. So I would definitely say by the third or fourth session, you should start to feel that that relationship. You may not necessarily feel healing or anything like that because that doesn't happen on a timeline, but I do think some sort of rapport should be built by then where you're realizing when I come to therapy, this is what my therapist does. They ask me these questions. They do this thing. But if you realize I've been coming here for three, four sessions now, and it's the same thing. I'm just talking and talking. They're just staring at me. It seems like they don't know what to say to me. Then that's kind of a sign where you're like, it's time to address it. And depending on how they respond, like I said, that gives you a clear indicator if there's a possibility to move forward or if you should just start looking for a new therapist. You really, in, in that statement in your conversation, just reinforced and reaffirmed my experience. I had started with a therapist a few weeks back, and I was really excited about starting this journey with her and deciding to begin my journey on, of therapy again. So she seemed like we were going to be a good fit. I liked her vibe. She said she'd been to Afropunk. It was all of the things. I'm like, girl, I think we're connecting, right? And the first session went really, really well. And I found that after the session, she was like, I'm going to text you. We'll secure a time since I'm trying to figure out my books and the whole thing. 
come you know, a few days before my session, I'm like, um, homegirl, am I confirmed? I'm chasing behind her to get an appointment. She said she was going to send me homework. It didn't come until the night before our scheduled session. So that felt like a red flag to me, right? And it made me sort of put the brakes on. Are you really reliable? Are you organized? These are kind of things that I'm looking for in my therapist. What would you say are some other red flags to kind of beware of where you might not even have to do those three, four, five sessions. It's kind of like, put the brakes on it. I really love how you framed what you just said as well, because typically a lot of people enter into the therapeutic relationship feeling that power dynamic. And so they feel as if because the person is the therapist, they can do no wrong. And so they sit and they tolerate things because they think that, well, it's my therapist. So Yeah, they sent me homework the night before, but maybe I just have to deal with it and maybe it will change over time. And I'm glad that you were able to realize I can also trust myself in this process and know that this just doesn't feel good for me. And so I'm going to move on. Right. And I think that's really key for a lot of people to know that despite this person being a therapist and them having the skill set and the knowledge to help you sort through issues and problems, you're still your own person. And you have power over you and you know yourself best. Many therapists have rules where they expect their clients to be on time. And so therapists really should be taking ownership when they are late to a session because that's taking it away from your time spent in that therapeutic process and in the unfolding of whatever it is you're sharing in therapy. So if you're not going to extend that time period further, then being chronically late to sessions, I feel like can be a red flag. Some stories that I have heard, I'm going to share them here and I'm going to name these as red flags. Stories that I've heard is therapists taking phone calls mid-sessions. I do not think that is professional. I do understand sometimes there can be emergencies, but there really should never be a situation where a therapist has their phone directly in front of them and they're looking and seeing who's calling them mid-session because it's taking away from the process. Another thing that could be inappropriate is when a therapist doesn't follow through with many of the things that they say. So as you shared, um, they're not following up to confirm appointments. So therefore you're left with no calendar slot. Right. They're not following through with their homework because this is the these are the tools you need to be able to change your life and to do the things that you're actually paying for. You know, I remind people you're paying for a service. So you have a right to get the full service. Another big red flag (laughs) is when therapists start to bring their own problems and issues into the therapeutic relationship. There's a difference between saying, you're having men problems, girl, I can relate. Let's talk about how this could be an issue. Maybe you're dealing with some generalized anxiety. Maybe it goes back to your anxious attachment style. I get it. I don't want you to feel alone. Versus, girl, can you believe the date I went on? I heard your story. I had the same situation. Let me tell you about this date I went on last week, Friday. So this is what he did. And this is what happened after. There's no reason why you as a client should know your therapist's business. How does it benefit me as a client? So I find that that is often the biggest issue because sometimes therapists deal with counter-transference. So you come to my session and let's say you're bringing up a relationship issue. And last night, maybe I just got dumped. So maybe I'm dealing with some heartbreak as a therapist. 
And so what can happen is by me listening to you process your pain, my pain might start to come to the surface. But as a therapist, it's my job to suppress that and sustain it until our session is over. And then I go and I talk to a colleague or a supervisor to now realize, you know what, something's happening for me in my therapeutic process with this particular client. And I want to take some space to process it so I don't bring that into the therapeutic room. And I think some therapists do struggle with that and they're not getting maybe the supervision or the training that they need to process it. So those are some red flags that I would say to definitely pay attention to. You know, the the initial therapist that I have, she was telling me too much of her business. Oh yeah, that was the same one we shared. We shared two therapists at a point. I knew that her mom was in the hospital. She was like, pray for, just keep us lifted in prayer. I'm like, hold on. The prayer should be directed to me. I want to lift your mother up, but come on. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely a sweet spot between doing too much and then building a rapport like you mentioned earlier Mina because there's been an instance where I felt like there wasn't really a rapport like I was just sharing everything and we were missing like the connection piece I feel like that's what I'm like yearning for with a therapist like someone who's enlightened and who can go a little bit below the surface because I don't want to keep hearing about the love languages and the attachment styles like at that point that information um, Everyone's privy to. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I've I've done that, and so I feel like that's something. As soon as that's mentioned, I'm like, oh my god, here we go. But I am going to utilize like my voice more and say, you know what? Let me tell you something. I've read all the books, and I know this. This is what I need from you, and then maybe we can get somewhere. You know, speaking to your point, Brittany, using your voice is so important because when I had to break up with that therapist, after the initial issue of her being like unorganized or whatever, whatever, I hesitated. Honestly, I hesitated to hold her accountable. But when she was like, so are we scheduled for tomorrow? I was like, I don't actually have time in my schedule tomorrow because you're confirming with me the night before. And I felt like that was a test outside of therapy, just my personal you know, experience to stand my ground, use my boundaries, because all because this is a therapist relationship doesn't mean that I can't or I don't have the ability or it's not within my realm to enforce in boundaries with you. I was like, no, girl. And after a few times when I realized it wasn't working, I had to be very direct. And sometimes I struggle with that, too. I'll dance around it, child. We'll cha-cha all night long. Yeah. I said, I will circle back with you when I feel like I want to start a therapy journey again, if that's what I want to do, because my needs weren't being met. Yeah. When it was time for me to end my relationship with my therapist, I honestly lied. I lied. <laughs> I did. I said, um, I need to check with my insurance has done a switch and I need to check with it and I'll circle back with you. And Mina, I think this is a good chance for us to ask you, what are some ways to break up or end it with your therapist when you might not have flexed the muscle to just be direct yet? Is there some tricks of the trade? Are the therapists privy to this? What do we do? Right. A telltale sign. (laughs) So what I will say is there is no shortcut to assertiveness. You either have to be direct or you're going to end up beating around the bush. And so what I encourage people to do is I think sometimes it can be great if you're used to communicating with your therapist via email or via text. Maybe you want to send them a text or an email instead of calling them. Some people get very frightened. Well, if I'm on the phone with them, what if they ask me additional questions and it's right on the spot? I don't want to shut down. And so maybe the easier thing to do to manage that is you can still be assertive, but you can send an email, right? And if they respond, 
you can take your time before you respond to the email, but there's that distance. But I definitely think that the first thing we have to understand is within the therapeutic relationship, it is okay to break up with a therapist. And if your therapist handles it in a very negative way, although that does not feel good, and I completely understand the fear around it, that also kind of ends up showing you that you did the right thing of ending that relationship. And so what I hope that can do for some people is validate them and their experience to realize, I knew I wasn't crazy because look at how my therapist is responding to me, right? And so this helps me to understand and to discern I made the right decision. It doesn't feel good having someone speak to me in this manner or maybe being giving me a pushback to force me to come back to sessions. But this is a sign to me to show me I made the right choice in ending this relationship. Other than that, though, I think sometimes we do just have to be clear and direct and say, we. sometimes you can give an explanation. Sometimes you don't have to. You can keep it simple sometimes and just say, you know what? I don't feel like this is working out for me. And I would like to end our sessions. And thank you so much for the time that you've given me. And that's really it. And you'll find that a lot of therapists might respond and say, okay, it was great working with you for the short amount of time because honestly, they have a caseload and they want to fill their spots. So they're like, all right, well, I have a wait list. I slot opened up. So thank you for informing me. And now I know I can fill your slot with someone else's. But I will also say to you, maybe if you are explaining to your therapist, what are some things that they did that you felt uncomfortable with? Is this an opportunity for them to may have a fresh start with you? And if it's not an opportunity and you're not looking for a window back in, then most of the time you can keep it simple and concise and just say, listen, I decided that I'm going to end my services. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm ready to move on. The short and sweet, babes. Bye. <laughs> the, TT, the TTYL, honey. Yes. So, Mina, we um, are in the midst of a series. It's called Coming Home and mm-hmm. really talks about just feeling home within ourselves and doing the work that it takes to be our best selves through different practices. But a lot of what keeps us from coming home to ourselves uh, and take us on detours, child, and we'll know where we at, where we going is our relationships, right? The mm-hmm. roles that we play, um, the responsibilities that we have and relationships are always a source of either our, our detriment or our growth. So I'm sure that there's so many homegirls out there who would love your advice on dealing with the relationships in our lives, our families and our friends that have proven to be a little toxic. Mm. How do we flex the muscle and put some boundaries in place, some parameters? How do we deal with these people? Relationships are very complex. And as you said, your relationships do determine the quality of your mental health. And so you can have some relationships that are detrimental to your well-being and some relationships that will help you prosper and grow and evolve as a person. And when you find that you start healing, you may start to open your eyes to certain patterns and behaviors that you're like, wow, I tolerated this for so long. And now that I'm growing and I'm maturing, I'm realizing this is unhealthy. It's unhealthy for me to be exposed to this. It's unhealthy for me to continue to not have boundaries. And so as I shared earlier, there honestly is no shortcut to being assertive. However, one of the things I often talk about when it comes to setting boundaries is looking at it from a twofold perspective. Boundaries are an act of generosity. Mm -hmm. 
When I share with you what my emotional needs are, what I can commit to, what I can't commit to, that frees you to move accordingly when it comes to me. That frees you to be able to make certain choices and to recognize what I'm able to give so that you know, maybe I can't come to Mina for this, but I'm going to go to a different friend. And so boundaries are a two-way street. Now I'm going to pause here because when it comes to those other people, emotional maturity is a requirement to learn how to respond to someone's boundaries in a healthy way. So when you are around people who have toxic behaviors, toxic traits, they are dysfunctional, most likely they may operate from a place of emotional immaturity. And the likelihood of them responding to your emotional needs or your boundaries, the likelihood of them responding to those things in a healthy manner might be very low. So I think it's important to manage your expectations of certain people, especially because often we're erecting boundaries in pre-existing relationships. So you already know how your mama get down. I already know who my mother is. And so the likelihood of my mama responding to my boundary appropriately is probably slim. Now I'm going to do it anyway, but I man, I go into that with my expectations already knowing the type of response I get because I know that person. I think sometimes we set ourselves up for failure because we're growing and evolving and we assume that means the people around us are also growing and evolving with us. They're the same people. You're the one changing not them. So because of that, I think it's important that we start the practice of learning to self-regulate because often we know what the boundary is. We know who we need to set the boundary with, but it's fear. Fear gets in the way of us doing it. I know the people in my life who get on my nerves. I know the people in my life that I can't stand. So it's not that I can't discern where to put the boundary. It's just that I need to learn how to self-regulate and manage my emotions because the fear and the anxiety often holds me back from erecting that boundary. So one of the things that I often tell people to do is learn to practice setting boundaries. The first way is start journaling out what your boundaries are. Give yourself time to practice saying out loud, I'm sorry, I can't do that favor for you. If you've never used that type of language before, it's going to feel foreign in the moment actually trying to be assertive and tell someone that. So I would really encourage people to start literally writing down a list of people in their lives that they want to set boundaries with, friends, relationships, partners, even family, and start writing those scripts out. When it comes to my mom, I really need to learn to say this to my mother when she does this. When it comes to my partner, I need to speak up a little little more and let my partner know I feel unseen when you're always on your phone while I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And I need to get more comfortable saying these things. And I think writing those things down and really practicing them out loud, what that can also do is help you realize what is my body feeling? Because we store stress in the body. And when we're emotionally dysregulated, I maybe think of a time where you felt anxious and all of a sudden your stomach started hurting. All of a sudden you have to run to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you have a migraine. Your body is going to alert you when you are in a state of emotional distress. So one of the things that I also encourage people to do is just find different tips and tricks that you can utilize to help regulate your body so that you don't get frozen in fear. One of the number one tools I often encourage is really learning to engage in meditation and breath work because no matter where we go in life, we bring our bodies with us. Yeah. 
So you can have that self-care toolbox, but if you forget that thing in your trunk, then I just got my body right now and I need to learn how to take a few deep breaths to regulate myself. So that's one of the things I really encourage people to do. And that's the reason why I know some people are like, I'm tired of learning how to do breath work. I'm tired of the meditation thing and the deep breathing thing. But when I reframe it that way, it really helps people to see you have the biggest coping mechanism with you. And that's literally your body. Mm. And when you learn to engage in that, in your body and tune into your body as a vessel, you will then be able to control certain emotions and habits that you have. Another thing, however, is sometimes we need to co-regulate. So if you know your mom is somebody who is dysfunctional, call a friend, right? Co-regulation means using someone else's nervous system to calm our nervous system down. The key here is you need to make sure that person is a healthy person. Yeah. If I know I need to speak to my mom who's already going to make me feel dysregulated and I call up that friend who has a lot of toxic tendencies and toxic ideologies, chances are they're going to be revved up too and they're not going to help me manage my nervous system. And so think of people in your life that you can co-regulate with so that you can really learn to displace that energy out of the body so that you can then learn to be assertive and speak up in your changing relationships. And the last thing I will say is sometimes a boundary might be ending it. Sometimes we are growing and evolving and we are still holding on to people. Sometimes relationships are seasonal. And when it comes to family too, no, you cannot pick your family right? But your family also has no right to disrespect and abuse you. Mm. And so when you find that you are coming from dysfunctional home environments, it is also okay to ask yourself, what am I allowing myself to be exposed to? And what do I need to start taking a step back on? And sometimes taking that step back might mean just ending certain relationships altogether for the sake of your mental health. Woo! Mina, bar after bar after bar after bar after bar. (laughs) Well, damn. (laughs) Yeah, there there was definitely a lot of gems dropped. It is a process. Like we set the boundaries. There's a fear of saying like, you know, enforcing your boundaries and setting them. And then I feel like after enforcing the boundaries, there's a feeling of guilt that comes along with it or maybe loneliness. Sometimes people who aren't emotionally mature or maybe they are emotionally mature, but they just don't like the response or they don't like the boundaries that you're implementing. They pull out all the stops to try to make you feel bad and second guess the boundaries that you're putting into place. But I think it is very important to have those tools in your toolkit, whatever that is. If you need to go to the affirmations, to the breath work, which we'll be talking about later in this series. Love that you brought that to up. really remind you of hell no, because you know what? <laughs> People will do that. They will try to keep you in their little traps and you'll get sucked in trying to appease everybody and not appear like the bad guy. But no. Chun-Li in this bitch. (laughs) That's how I feel. We're not doing that. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy to be the good guy to yourself. So I'm so thankful that you shared all of those tips. We have a few homegirls who shared that they have toxic relationships with their mothers And I hate that that's the story of so many of us in our community, Um, but it's real. And we definitely have to get ahead of it and say, no more. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm not going to allow you to drag me my whole life. It it ends here. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. And you've dropped so many gems, Mina, throughout the conversation. And now it is time for us to ask our big question. So this is a Black Girl Bravado. And bravado to us means undeniable boldness, confidence, just that girl. 
So I would ask you, what has been your biggest, boldest moment of Black Girl Bravado thus far? Mm, To be honest, to continue the boundary conversation, I would say it would be that. And it would actually be specifically to a family member. I think in our community, setting boundaries in the Black household can definitely be seen as taboo, disrespectful, inappropriate. And I remember just getting to a point in my life where I realized that if I continue this relationship the way it is, I am going to be drained and I'm going to honestly lose my mind. While this person feels content with the decisions that they're making to disrespect me. And when I had to reflect and realize that there are some people who honestly just feel audacious when you talked about bravado, there are a lot of people who feel brave and courageous and confident enough to just disrespect you and to treat you however it is that they feel like treating you. So if they have the confidence to be abusive and to treat me the way that they want to, why do I lack the confidence to be assertive and not tolerate it? And I had to really reframe my thinking because, again, when you talked about boundaries and feeling guilty, do I need to feel bad for not allowing someone to emotionally abuse me? No. And I had to, and this is the work that I really encourage people to do because we have to reframe our thinking or else we'll engage in something called emotional reasoning where we allow our feelings to dictate our behaviors and that overrides logic. And we need to tap into logic so that logic helps us on our path. And despite me feeling guilty, logic in this moment tells me if you stay in this, you are going to continue to be harmed. And so for me, my bravado moment was doing what felt very hard because in our society, when it comes to family, you know, there are so many stereotypes in there. It's also lonely, right? When you're that person who has to say, I had to cut ties from my mom. I had to cut ties from my sibling and people don't understand your lived experience. But for me, like I said earlier, like once I started to reframe my thinking and realize, wow, this person feels very audacious and brave. When it comes to disrespecting me. And once I really reframed my thinking around that, I think it helped me to be more assertive in all of my relationships. And I think that has been the most freeing thing for me and the most calming thing for me, for me and my wellness and my mental health and just my well-being, being able to know when I need to say no, being able to know when I need to remove myself from certain situations, being able to recognize there are certain conversations I don't want to engage in. Simple things like that has helped me protect my peace and has helped me reclaim who I am as a person as well. And for me, I would say that would be my bravado moment. Oh, way to bring it around. That was freaking beautiful. That was so beautiful. You know, and this is why you are the licensed master social work. Okay. Because once you brought up the emotional reasoning, the emotional reasoning, I said, hold on. Was that for you? Something sparked something in me. I said, she's she's saying something I never heard before. She's saying something I never heard before. You know, I just want to express gratitude to you, Mina, for this platform and the work that you are doing, because these conversations are the ones that we need to hear, right? The younger us, the little black girls inside of all of us who are struggling to find their way in these adult bodies, doing these adult things is so hard. But when we come here and we talk about our experiences and we give tools 
to be better because we're all here really healing and trying to do the work. I just feel so grateful and honored to hold this space. And I mean, I'm in this feeling of gratitude because I know that I need it. I know that I need the conversation that we just had and somebody else out there needs the conversation that we just had. And it just feels good to have it. It 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 really feels good to have it. It's been a pleasure and an honor speaking with you today, Mina. Can you let our girls know where to find you? And if you have anything going on, everything going on, please share it. (laughs) Thank you so much. People can find me on my Instagram page, which is Mina underscore B. That's Mina with two A's, M-I-N-A-A underscore B. You can also visit my website, www.minab.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter, Mindful with Mina, which I actually share a newsletter every Monday. And my newsletter is all about learning to build healthy relationships through mindfulness. I know the girls are running over there right now, running shoes on, quick speed and with the hurry. Again, Mina, echoing what Germany said, thank you so much for the work that you do and for sharing space with us. We appreciate it beyond words. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right, y'all. More Black Girl Bravado coming up right after this. Okay, welcome back, cuties. We are at the final segment of this episode. It's time for you to pick up a pen. We're We're dropping dropping a gem. gem. So this is the segment where we share with you the tips, tricks, things that we're loving, and hopefully you find a place for them in your either routine or life. You love them too. Yes. So we told y'all we have a homegirl hotline where you can share gems. You can ask us for advice. You can let us know how you did that shit. And a homegirl slid through the hotline and she shared a gym, okay? And I loved it. So what she shared was this meditation. There's an Insight Timer app where there's tons of guided meditation. Medication if you need that too. (laughs) There's tons of guided meditations, right? And when she shared this, I said, the homegirls really be tracking because Dora Camus, She is one of my faves. She's a black woman and her guided meditations are so powerful. And the one that um, the homegirl shared was the only place you need to be is here. And this was such a good one because it's just a simple, quick meditation. I think it was like eight minutes or so that just helps you be in the present moment. It's so easy for us to be in the future or the past. But this meditation called me right back to where I needed to be, which was the present And she's just so efficient and I love the way she speaks. So I'm so glad that the homegirl shared this meditation. And now we're sharing it with y'all. So get the Insight Timer app. It's free, which I love. Yeah. And there's so many people of color on there doing beautiful guided meditations. Alex L, Cora, Dora. (laughs) All of us. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. So good. I'll be downloading this app. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you, homegirl. Okay. We've come to the end of the first episode of the coming home series. We have so many more episodes in the arsenal that are just ready to gear you up to guide yourself right back to where you belong. Yeah. I'm excited about this series. Come back. Same place, same time next week. This is going to be a great month for us all. 